Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Well, hey, praise the Lord, I'm Pastor Michael Jakes, and welcome to the Cutting It Right Bible Study. We're here with the first principles of the Christian life tonight. We pray that all is well with you once again as we open up the Word of God. As always, we are streaming right now live over Facebook, YouTube, and Spreaker.com. Amen. We pray that you'll be able to stay with us for a little bit uh, or for the whole time uh, as we open up uh, the Word of God. We have a very, very powerful uh, an exciting topic tonight, amen, uh, it's, a, it's a most powerful topic, we, tonight uh, in our session we're going to be talking about the role of the cross in the Christian life, amen, the role of the cross in the Christian life, and we'll be on this subject for the next several weeks because it is most important that we all understand just what place the cross has in our lives, for many of us, Uh, We know that when we got saved, uh, it was the fact that we believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We all understand that. We all know that. Uh, But then what happens? Ah, and there you have it. Does the cross remain uh, a focal point of our lives? Or somehow is the cross the forgotten factor? Amen? So we'll be discussing that tonight, and I pray that you'll be able to stay with us. If you are watching us right now, over Facebook, we pray that you'll simply uh, take the time out to share this page, that others also may be blessed. We want to always make sure that as many people as possible are able to hear uh, this life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the only message that saves. It is the only message that heals. And it is the only message that delivers. Amen. So we pray that you will you are able to stay with us tonight. Amen. You can also find us on our website at thatstheword.org. You can leave us your email address and we'll send you a copy of our newsletter letting you know what's going on in the ministry. You can also uh, subscribe to our channel by going to our YouTube channel, which is also That's The Word Ministries. Amen. And so once again, we are ready to go for tonight. Uh, We are going to get started in just a moment. We'll pray and we'll get right into the word. We'll be right back in 30 seconds. Well, amen, praise the Lord. We are back, and uh, we are, once again, we are very excited about our topic for tonight. Uh, it is not a topic that is spoken about very much. Uh, you don't really hear too much talk about the cross. We know, once again, we talk about the cross when we're talking about salvation. D- Jesus died for us, and we all know, and we all understand that. Uh, but, once again, where does it go from there? What place 
if any, and of course there is, what place does the cross play in our lives? Amen. God bless you, Sharon. Amen. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we're going to open up in a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right into this session for tonight. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord, uh, for giving us this time, this opportunity to open up your word. Uh, Lord, it is not anything that we take for granted. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will be with us even as we uh, open up and discuss this most important subject, Lord Jesus. I pray uh, that you will be with my heart, that you will be with my mind, that you will give me clarity of mind and heart even as uh, your word goes out. Uh, Lord, I pray you will draw those who do not know you or may not fully understand uh, the words and concepts that will be coming forth tonight. Lord, I pray that you will draw them unto yourself. Lord, I pray that you will illuminate your word that they may under, that they may understand. And Lord, that you will always that you will help us all to come to a proper understanding of your word. So, Lord, bless us tonight. Draw those who need to hear this word to this place on the World Wide Web. Lord, we look to you for all that we have in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Remember that song? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Amen. Well, tonight I want to open up with a scripture verse. Uh, this will be the basis for the next few weeks. We'll open up with this verse uh, because, once again, it forms the substance. It forms, uh, it, it just forms the base of everything that we're going to be touching on uh, for the next several weeks. And here is uh, that verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18. Powerful, powerful verse. The preaching of the cross or the message or the word of the cross, it is powerful. Amen. And so we are going to be talking about that uh, tonight. Now, when we talk about the cross, what do you think of when you think of the cross? What what goes on in your mind? Um, a song immediately comes uh, to mind when I think of the cross. Uh, it was, it's been, since I've been uh, going through this for the last several days, uh, this song has been ringing in my spirit. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. That is the cross. That's the place where we first see the light. That's the place where uh, the Lord uh, opens up uh, the revelation of himself to us and we find peace. Amen. It's at the cross. God bless you, Adrian. God bless you. And so when we talk about the cross, the cross is not something that happens to us and then we just leave it by the wayside. And let me just say, when we talk about the cross, let me just put this in in better terms that you can understand what, what we're saying. When we talk about the cross uh, and what it is and what it has done, yes, we are talking about the cross, the fact that the cross is the greatest event in history. I'll repeat that. The cross is the greatest event in history. What happened at the cross, what transpired at the cross, is the greatest event in history. 
It was there that Jesus died for the sins of the world. His sins were placed, our sins rather, were placed upon him and he died for us. It was a sacrifice. So this event, this event, what happened at the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, several things happened. He opened up the way. He opened up the way for us to be saved. The moment, the moment that he died, uh, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent, was torn in two. And that was indicative of the fact that now we have access to God. Before it was the priest who had to go behind the veil once a year and sacrifice for himself and for the people. Now we have access. Now we can go boldly to the throne of grace to receive uh, a mercy and help in our time of need. That's one of the things that happened at the cross. Another thing that happened at the cross was that Satan was defeated soundly, completely. And we're going to get more into that tonight and in the weeks to come. Just how decisive the victory on the cross was. Amen? And so, through Jesus Christ's uh, work on the cross, uh, Jesus administered, a, administered rather a total, eternal, and irrevocable defeat to Satan and his kingdom. Now, we still know that Satan does have a modicum of power. He has a measure of power that has yet been allotted to him, uh, and that power uh, is working mostly in those who are saved. Rather, those who are unsaved, forgive me. Those who are unsaved, he still exerts power over them. He is their father, as scripture says. But to those who are born again, to those who are saved, the cross, as we just read, the cross is the power of God. It is the power of God. So Satan has no power over the child of God. The only power that he has over us is what power we give him. Let me say that again. The only power that Satan has over us is the power that we give him, the power that we allow him to have. And if we don't come to a proper understanding of the cross and all that it means for our Christian life, we will find ourselves in dire straits spiritually. Amen? And once again, we're going to get more into that as we go into our study tonight. Now, having been soundly and roundly defeated by what Jesus accomplished on the cross, now, what does Satan do? What can he do? He is defeated. His power has been taken away. Literally, uh, his power, let's go to that wonderful and powerful verse uh, in the book of Colossians, chapter number 2, and verse number 15. It says, and having spoiled principalities and powers. That word spoiled is a word that means just has taken it away, just snatched it away. If ever, if you've ever had something in your hand and had that thing just grabbed out, his power was just taken away from him. And it says here, uh, spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He was soundly 
defeated, soundly defeated. And there's nothing that he can do about it. Nothing that he can do about it. So what does he do? Here is Satan. And once again, left to nothing. What does he do in this state? Well, one of the things that he does, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, he, would, he has done his best because of what happened to him. He knows, whether he admits it or not, it doesn't matter. He understands, he knows the power of the death of Christ. He understands the power of the cross. He understands the power of the blood of Jesus. You know, we sing about the cross, we, we shout about the cross, Rather, we sing about the blood and we shout about the blood. And then we don't live by the blood or according to the blood. When, listen, when you talk about the blood, when you sing about the blood, you're talking about the cross. And I know we know that. But then, instead of relying upon the power of the cross to get us through this life, we instead rely on our own works, the things that we do, the things that make us feel good. And we go into a regimen of rules and, and regulations and all of these types of things. We sometimes get ourselves and bring ourselves into legalism. Into legalism in an effort to be righteous. In an effort to please the Lord. And this will never work. So what does Satan do? Satan is doing, has done and continues to attempt to obscure the power of the cross from the child of God, and of course, from the world. He has done that successfully. Uh, the world has no inkling of the power of the cross. He has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, so that they will not see uh, and understand the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So Satan has done that effectively to the world, and no doubt how he is able to do that. But to the child of God, we're saved by the blood. We have to continue to live by the blood, rather according to the cross. Our faith must be in Christ, okay? So when we talk about the fact that he obscures uh, the work of the cross, this is one of his primary aims. This is one of Satan's primary aims. It is to block out the power of the cross. Get us doing other things to live out this Christian life. But do not rely upon the cross. Do not put your faith in the cross, whatever you do. Remember what Jesus told, what rather what uh, Paul the Apostle told Timothy. He told him, to fight the good fight of faith. Now, what did he mean when he said that? When he told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, he was telling him that this is where Satan is going to fight you. Satan is going to fight you in your faith. And so it's very important where we place our faith. It is important to have the correct object of faith. Now, when we use the word object, that's another way of saying we must have the correct focus of faith. And our object of faith is 
Christ and him crucified. You see, we can never separate Christ from the cross. Now, let me explain that. The fact that I say that you can never uh, separate Christ from the cross simply means uh, that you can never separate him from the work that was accomplished at the cross. We don't mean to say that Christ is still on the cross when I say you can't separate him from the cross. We know he died. He rose again. Amen. Uh, the resurrection is true. The resurrection is, is valid. Amen. But the work of our redemption was accomplished on the cross. Amen. We must always remember that the work of our redemption happened on the cross. Now, if, if Satan is trying to obscure the cross, which he is trying to do, which he has done to the world, and he is still attempting to do that to uh, the child of God, why? Why does Satan, and let's ask that question because it's a very important question, why does Satan seek to obscure the cross? Why does he seek to obscure the cross? And I want to give you, in the time that we have remaining, I want to give you at least four reasons why. There may be more reasons. And there probably are. Listen, because we, we do not know and we do not understand yet in these mortal bodies, in these corrupted bodies that we are in, we are yet to fully, to fully understand the power and appreciation for the cross. I am sure that we don't understand. We, we know what we know. We know what we've been given, but I'm sure in glory, it is going to be all the more spectacular what Christ has done for us when he died for us. Amen. We're going to talk about some of the blessings attached uh, to the cross as we move along. But the fact that he still continues to obscure it, we must be mindful of this. We must be mindful of the fact that Satan does not want the child of God to place his faith in the cross at all. He doesn't want the child of God to know the power of the cross. Amen? And we must make sure that we understand this. Let me give you the first reason. The first reason why Satan continues to try and obscure the cross. The cross, because he knows, <laughs> because he knows that the cross is the basis of all God's provision for his people. There is no other basis. The cross is the basis for all God's provision. That simply means that everything that we have, every blessing that we have is provided by the cross. It is the cross that made it possible. I go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number one uh, and verse uh, number three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing and every other type of blessing we have because of the cross. 
What are some of these spiritual blessings? Just a few. We have the peace of God that passes all understanding. We have been justified uh, by faith. Uh, we have been saved by grace. Amen. All of these things and so many more we have because of the cross. No cross, no blessings, no blessings at all. And so we must understand this. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 14, it says, for by one offering, and that was Christ on the cross, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whoa, we have been per perfected forever. We are the sanctified ones he talks about in this verse, but we have been perfected forever. You see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he made provision for our sins to be forgiven past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. Now, I need to I need to make a, a I need to explain that there are teachings today uh, that say that we as Christians do not have to ask God to forgive us of our sins. That is one of the teachings, and let me just throw the name out there. One of the names out there that teaches this that's Joseph Prince, uh, Creflo Dollar, and and many uh, many others. They teach that the Christian no longer has to ask for forgiveness of sins because all of our sins are paid for. Just like what I just said, all of our sins are already paid for past, present, and future. Now, that is a true statement. The death of Christ has made provision that all of our sins will be forgiven. So when I come to him today, tonight, tomorrow, next week, and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive me based on what he did for me on the cross. It does not mean that because he died for all of our sins, past, present, and future, that I don't need to confess my sins. I still need to confess my sins because we read very, very uh, truly uh, in 1 John uh, chapter uh, number 1. Uh, and verse uh, number nine, if we confess our sins, that's us. That's you and I. He's speaking to Christians there. If we confess our sins, so if we don't, if we are not supposed to confess our sins anymore, then this verse would be a lie. And we know that the verse is not a lie. And so if we as Christians confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. He's talking to Christians. That's who he's talking to. So yes, please, if you sin, and you will sin, immediately ask the Lord for forgiveness. Do not hear those who tell you otherwise, that because your sins are all washed away, and he made provision for all of your sins, that you you offend the Lord when you come to him with your sins. No, you do not offend him when you come to the Lord with your sins. You please him when you come to the Lord with your sins. Once again, he's made provision to forgive you. That's why he died on the cross, to bring us to him. Amen? So, once again, be very careful of very subtle uh, teaching. Be very careful. 
Let me bring you to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Once again, we're talking about the fact, uh, we're talking about the fact uh, that everything that we need has been provided by the cross. And Satan wants to obscure uh, this fact. 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You have all that you need to live out this Christian life. And if that were not enough, let me bring you finally to Colossians chapter number one and verse number 10. And this powerful verse should cap it off. It says, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. You are complete we have all that we need, all that we need to live this Christian life the way it ought to be lived has been given to us. He has made provision for us completely and totally. Amen. So Satan seeks to hide this truth. He seeks to obscure it. He, seen, he, he seeks to cloud it so that we won't fully understand just how rich we are. Yes, you and I are rich in Christ Jesus. We are absolutely uh, rich. Uh, through what Jesus did on the cross, God has done all that will ever be needed for us. He has done everything. Amen? The fact that we are complete in him, let's once again make this reference. The fact that we are complete in him does not mean that we are yet perfected or perfect. We are not, and I'm sure you understand that you are not perfect, and I know that I'm not perfect. But what it does mean, the fact that we are complete in him, is that we have, of course, we've been, we've been sanctified. The cross has sanctified us. Once again, another blessing of the cross. And the fact that we have been sanctified means that we now have been given uh, the the ability by Christ in us to live sanctified. So we are sanctified and we are being sanctified. That is our salvation, our sanctification. It is progressive. And the more we live out this life and the more we learn about this life, we grow. We grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And so it is obedience to the word that will cause us to grow in the way that we need uh, to grow. Satan, he operates in stealth. He operates deceptively. His modus operandi, once again, his modus operandi, his method of operation uh, is, as we said, deception. And what does he seek to do? What does he hope will be the result of all that he does? Number one, he wants to blind us. And we're talking about the fact that he wants to obscure uh, this particular blessing from our sight. He seeks to blind us 
If he can blind us, he can bind us. If he can bind us, he can cause us to struggle and grind out our Christian life. That is not how we are to live our Christian life. We are not to live our Christian life in struggle. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over us. But if we are blinded by the fact that we have all we need through the cross, we will be bound and we will struggle. And so we need to be very careful. Let me give you the second uh, reason number two. Reason number two, why Satan seeks to obscure the power of the cross. Because he knows that the cross is the means, was the means of his total defeat. His total defeat. Amen? Once again, the death of Jesus on the cross completely, completely, let me, I, I was about to use the word vaporized, but that's, I don't know where that word came from. He wasn't vaporized. He's not destroyed. He still exists. But his power, his power was lost at Calvary. Amen. And so if it were not for the death of Christ, if it were not for the death of Christ, we would still be in bondage to death, to death. But that is not the case. And so we bless the Lord and we thank him that it was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's from book of Romans. Uh, and so we, we, we thank the Lord that the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the only law that can overcome the law of sin and death. And it took the death of Jesus Christ to bring that law into fruition into our lives. Amen. And so we bless the Lord and we thank him. Satan is defeated. Amen. The blood of Jesus has come against Satan and he cannot touch the child of God. Now, once again, let me just bring that all in to say when I say that he cannot touch us. He does. Once again, God gives Satan a modicum of power and allows him to operate in our lives for our own benefit. We must never believe that Satan uh, is the orchestrator, okay? Satan is not the orchestrator of anything. God allows Satan to do what he does. He gives him a, a piece of rope, and he tells him, you can do this, but you can't do that. And, it's a, and he can't do it. If he says... You can't step over that line. Satan will not step over that line. Isn't that a powerful statement? That Satan, the one who is a rebel and renegade above all, that when Jesus says something, he must submit. There's no question. There's no question he must obey. Oh, my the devil must obey. Now, listen, when, when I say something like that, trust me, 
the forces of darkness are not pleased with statements like that. Anytime you come to a revelation of who God is, anytime you come to a revelation of even the power of the cross, what we're talking about here tonight, when you come to a revelation of the cross, Satan, Satan will come. He will come and he will do what he can to bring you down, to bring out and once again, either snatch away and what we're talking about tonight, to obscure the truth of the cross from you and I. And he will do his best to make it more difficult for us. And God gives him, God will give him that simply to show him that we still have uh, the truth. That's the best way that I can think to say it at this point in time. But he allows the devil to do what he does to show the devil that he is in control and that our faith is in the right place. Amen? Let me go to reason number three. Reason number three. Satan continues to try and obscure the cross because the cross sets the framework for our identity. The cross sets the framework for our identity. In other words, in other words, it's by the cross that we know who we are. Without the cross, we are nobody. We are really, truly nobody. But the cross, we are, we are identified with and by the cross of Jesus Christ. What happened? What happened at the cross? Our identity, our identity is now placed firmly in the cross. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, you've already said that now we are we are saints. We are saints. That's that's Ephesians 1 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. Let me run up just a few, just a few of these uh, uh, blessings uh, that we have in Christ. I'm a saint. I am blessed in, in Ephesians. This is all Ephesians uh, chapter 3, uh, verse number 3 of chapter number 1. I'm chosen. I'm accepted. I'm redeemed. I have an inheritance. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I have access. All of these things, these are part of my identity. It's who I am in Christ. It's who I am in Christ. And once you understand, once you understand that you are in Christ, to be in Christ is equivalent to being in the cross. Okay? We are in Christ. Let me go further. Let me go throughout. Let me go throughout the New Testament here, talking about our identity in Christ. That our identity, uh, that the cross frames our identity. Number one, I'm a new creature. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse number seventeen. Uh, in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we already said we are saints. That simply means that we are sanctified. I am a saint. Even right now, even right now, you are a 
saint. It's not as the Catholic Church says that you're a saint after uh, you pass away and have done a body of good works and they make a vote to see whether you're, you can be a saint or not. That's all man-made. That's all fantasy. That The Bible says nothing about that. You and I are saints at this present moment. As we speak, we are saints. The Bible says that we are his temple. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 3. I am accepted, we said in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse number 6. I am secure in his love. Nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I am enriched. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 5. And I could go on and on and on. Once again, our identity is framed by what Christ did on the cross. Amen. We are blessed. We are blessed. And so Satan seeks to hide all of this from us. He wants you to think that you are nothing, that you are no one, that you have no future, that your past is what will prevent you from being who God wants you to be. He wants you to believe that you are not forgiven. He wants you to believe that you will never be set free. He wants, he wants you to believe all of these things. And remember, the devil is a liar from the very beginning. And so he has nothing good or right to say. And so we ought not to hear uh, his voice at all. Finally, the fourth thing, the cross, he knows. The cross is the only source of power over sin. The only source of power over sin. It's how we live, ladies and gentlemen. It's how we live the Christian life. And we're going to be talking more about that in the weeks to come. How we live the Christian life. You see, what normally happens, or what normally happens is when an individual gets saved, it happens to all of us. It happens to most of us. We get saved, and that is the most glorious thing. We get saved, we get born again, the Holy Spirit indwells us, we become new creatures, new creations in Christ, rather, and all is well. And then somehow, because many times we simply don't know any better, and those who are teaching us and helping us probably don't know any better, we simply are put on a regimen of works. Works. Now, these works are not wrong in themselves. These works are the things that help us to become who we are in Christ. We need to read our Bibles on a daily basis. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to, we need to pray. We need to be a praying people. There are times when we need to fast. We, we need to tell others about Christ. Of course, of course. Go yield in all the world and preach the gospel. These are all things that we should do. Always. They're called traditionally the Christian disciplines. We are to do them. But what happens? Somehow we're put on a regimen. 
You have to do this. You have to do that and do that and do that. And we do. But when we make the things that we are to do into a law, then we have fallen into a problem. These things are not laws. It is not a law. There's no law to read your Bible. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. There's no law to read your Bible. There's no law to pray, but we create this law. We begin to say to ourselves, this is something that I have to do. If I don't do it, God's going to be upset. God's going to be angry. You know, we, Some of us have this idea of God that he's this big judge in the sky uh, with this gavel that's ready to come down upon us if we don't uh, do right. That's the picture of God that many of us have, and that's not God. He is the God of all grace. He is the God of all mercy. He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all peace. And this does not mean that he does not deal with sin and that he will not deal with sin. Of course, of course, we must keep ourselves in line. But once again, how do we keep ourselves in line? How do you deal with sin in your life? How do you deal with sin? Because you're going to sin. There's a very real sin nature that is dwelling on the inside of each and every one of us. Now, when you and I got saved, our sin nature became subdued. Subdued. It, 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 is, it is put down. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Our, our sin nature is put down. But when we begin to engage in law keeping, I must do this and I have to do this and, and I'm struggling and I'm trying, I got to do more. We try to make up for what we haven't done by doing it more or doing it harder. I'm going to pray harder. Nothing wrong with, listen, there's not even anything wrong with praying hard at all. Once again, but when you think that because you pray harder or you fast longer, or you read more chapters. And, and when you think that when you grind it down and, and I'm struck, I'm going to do this, you've created a law. You are falling into works-based righteousness. And that's not how the Lord would have us to live. And every from time to time, it's very easy for any one of us to fall into that pattern. I have to do more. I'm going to go to church every day, every night, if the church is open every day and every night. There are churches that are open every day and every night. But I got to be there every time. I got to be there. And there's even nothing wrong with going to church every day, if you can. But once again, when it becomes law, when you have to be there for the wrong reasons, you're falling uh, into the trap of the enemy. And he has obscured obscured the power of the cross from you amen and i think once again we've all been in that place in one form or another at some time in our lives and sometimes uh, we find ourselves falling back into that pattern and we must not allow ourselves to do that amen let's go over these four reasons uh, once again uh, real quick before we end our time tonight first of all Satan seeks to, he seeks to obscure the truth of the power of the gospel because he knows that the cross is the basis for all of God's provision for his people. There is no other basis, okay? 
everything that we need has been provided by the cross. Secondly, the cross, he knows, is the means, is the reason why he was soundly and roundly defeated. It was at the cross. Amen. It was at the cross. Revelation chapter 12, and verse number 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's the cross. That's the blood of the cross. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto the death. Amen. Reason number three. The cross sets the framework of our identity. Who we are. The fact that we can say that I am a child of God. The fact that we can say that I am forgiven. It's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. And finally, the reason number four is he knows, the enemy knows that the cross is the only source of power over sin. The only source of power over sin. Amen. We are victorious through Christ alone and what he accomplished on the cross. It was the cross that Paul preached. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. And so when we place our faith in Christ and what he has done, uh, we um, will see victory in our lives. The death of Christ atoned. Let me repeat this statement that we said just several minutes ago. The death of Christ atoned for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Now, I know that the common view, the common view, a view that I've that I held at one point in my life, that the power of the Christian life is in and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what many believe. This is I don't want to say I don't I don't know if most people believe it, but this is what many believe. Many Christians that it's the resurrection that is the most powerful event in history. Listen, the resurrection, the resurrection ratified what happened at the cross. Once Jesus died on the cross, the resurrection was going to happen. The resurrection was going to happen. He had already said that he would rise again. But it's what Christ did when he died on the cross. And when we come together next time, we'll talk about behind the scenes. What was happening behind the scenes when Jesus died? Let me just give you a little clue, a little hint. Uh, on the cross, uh, Jesus had a moment uh, with one of the thieves. And that thief who had been cursing him out, one of them, the scripture says, turned to him and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That right there, that right there was the basis of his faith. He didn't say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart. He didn't say, Jesus, cleanse me. He didn't say any of those words. But of course, the Lord knew his heart. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that, uh, if I can use the words uh, concerning Abraham and concerning ourselves, those words were accounted unto him as righteousness. I don't believe I'm I'm uh, changing anything in the Bible. That whole concept, when 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 Abraham obeyed God, 
simply when he obeyed him, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. When this man on the cross said, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom, those words were accounted unto him as righteousness. And Jesus looked to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. See, this is why I, I, I know we, we put a lot of uh, we put a lot of mechanism into uh, the sinner's prayer. Uh, the Bible doesn't the Bible doesn't have a specific sinner's prayer, but what the sinner's prayer is, it, it's a prayer that includes all that includes the truths of the gospel that we must believe. It's a prayer of faith, simply saying, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me, and I believe that you died for me and rose again for me, and Lord. Come into my heart, indwell me. That, that's what the or a sinner's prayer is all about. You believe the facts of the gospel. But if someone doesn't know the facts of the gospel and they just believe, I did not say any of those words on the day I was saved. It doesn't mean that those words um, needed to be said. Yes, when I got saved, the first words that I said to the Lord, and he saw my heart, was I said, help. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything else about anything else. I just said, help me, God. Didn't, didn't, even, didn't even say Jesus' name initially. I said, help me, God. I was at a breaking point. I was at a point where I knew I needed help. I had heard about Jesus. Coming to church for over a year, and I was just at a point where I knew that I needed whatever it is that the preacher has been talking about that I've been listening to, and I simply said, "Help me, God." And there was a struggle, and there was a fight, and I know now that there was a fight for my soul that was going on, and I and I prayed, "Just help me, help me, help me, God, help me, Jesus," and and. And someone just placed their arms on me and I began to pray and I broke down and and I began to call on the Lord. Jesus help me and 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 it all happened. It all happened. I knew I was saved. I knew I was saved. I knew that something happened. He touched me, he touched me, and all the joys that flood my soul. Something happened. And I knew. I was whole. I knew I was saved at that very moment in time. And the very next day, the very next day when I woke up and looked out the window, and I cannot tell you how many times I've related this story, but it, it happens to be the truth once again. I looked outside my window and saw the greenest grass I had ever seen. I saw the brightest sunshine that I had ever seen. I know it sounds cliche, but that was my experience. That's what I felt. That's what I saw. Everything was just bright. And I didn't find out until many years later why. It was because it was something new on the inside of me. I was a new creation. Everything was changed. Old things were passed away and everything was new. Even what I saw it looked different. That was that was me. That, that was what happened to me. But see, what Satan wants to do, he wants to he wants to obscure 
the power of the cross and just how powerful the cross is. Amen. He wants to do it if he can. If he can keep the child of God in the dark concerning the cross, he will have done something that shouldn't happen. I was going to say something good. I don't want to say Satan does something good. But if he can block the power of the cross from the child of God, he will leave that child of God in a place that leaves them open in a sense uh, and open to defeat because there's only victory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to pray. And next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, as we said, what happened behind the scenes when Jesus died. We're talking about the role of the cross in the Christian life. Amen. What place does it play? It ought to be the center. Let me just tell you that. The cross is the centerpiece, the focal point, the object of all that we are and all that we do. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you, uh, Lord, for allowing us this opportunity once again to open up your word. Lord, we pray that as we continue to expound upon the cross, Lord, that once again you would give us clarity of mind and heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, we know that some of these things may be difficult for some uh, to understand if, if they're hearing some of these things for the first time. Uh, but Lord, we pray uh, that you will enlighten all of us as your word goes forth. Lord, we pray that as we put our faith in you, uh, that you will cause us to be encouraged and cause us to live the life that you want us to live. So, Lord, have your way. Bless us together even right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. Amen. God is good. God is good, and God is working. I pray that you'll be able to stay with us as we continue uh, in the first principles of the Christian life. Uh, we've talked about our salvation. We touched upon this subject of the cross a little bit when we talked about salvation. Uh, when we talked about the Holy Spirit in you, we touched a little bit about the cross in, in that too. Once again, the cross, the cross permeates every single phase of our life. Amen. We're going to, um, in the future days, uh, some of our topics, we're going to be talking about uh, the church in general, uh, the local church. We're going to be talking about sin and temptation. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. There's, we, we, there's so many other subjects that we're going to be talking about. And, and, and the cross of Jesus Christ is integral in every single one of these topics. And so the cross is always going to be, talking about the cross is always going to be on the table as we go through these first principles of the Christian life, because the cross is at the center of of every phase of this life. Amen. So we pray that you will be able to stay with us as we open up uh, the word of God on these nights. Amen. God is good and God is working. God bless you, Adrian. Amen. We pray that you're able to join us on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we'll be back here with another word uh, from the Lord. Amen. Uh, the Sunday sermon series starts at 1130 a.m. You can catch us live or you can catch us on the replay. We'll be here. Amen. Uh, also, on Tuesday night, on rather Monday night, a Monday night, we've begun uh, talking about, and we've begun our verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Matthew. We've gotten through the first 16 verses. We've gotten through that genealogy, 
and we're going to continue uh, with the rest of the chapter and maybe even into the next uh, next chapter. We'll see. We're not in any rush. Amen. We're going through the life of Christ uh, as written by uh, Matthew uh, 1 verse at a time. So join us for a powerful time of Bible study on the Line by Line podcast. Amen. On Tuesday night, Tuesday night, our brand new series that we've just begun through the scent of water, Portraits of Hope and Grace. It's a four-part devotional series, amen. We've we've begun uh, last Tuesday night, and we pray that you will join us again next Tuesday night as we continue. Next week, uh, as stated, we'll continue. Uh, we will continue with the first principles of the Christian life, continuing uh, to talk about uh, our uh, the role, rather, of the cross in the Christian life, amen. So, we pray that you will be able to join us on these days and nights. Remember our new time on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. We are here now at 8 o'clock. Amen. Uh, And so we pray that you will be able to join us uh, then. Amen. Uh, You can also go to our website at thatstheword.org. While you're there, you can download your free copy of our ebook entitled Remaining Unmovable. Seven Keys to Quality Longevity in Christ. Amen. So we pray that you will take advantage of this particular resource. You can also, you can also, there's also a um, a link there that will bring you to where you can purchase a copy of our book entitled uh, The Lights in the Window, Eight Basic and Powerful Principles on Evangelism. It is available on Amazon. Dot com, Amen. And so we pray once again that you will take advantage of these resources. Allow the Lord to speak to your heart as to whether or not it's something that you would like to do. Also, uh, at our website, at our website, if you would like to, we only bring this up once every couple of three or four months. If you would like to uh, donate to this particular ministry to help defray the cost of our website, uh, you can go to our, uh, you can go to our page on our website, the gift page, and you can donate whatever you please. We, amen. We thank you for those, uh, who have done so. We bless the Lord and we thank you, uh, for your support. Amen. So, uh, I'm Pastor Michael Jakes and I thank you once again for being with us and I hope you can join us uh, next week at eight o'clock, uh, as we come back. Uh, with the first principles of the Christian life. If not, you can join us any night of the week, uh, except Thursday and Friday, amen. Uh, Sunday morning, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We're here by the grace of God, amen. So join us, and I'm sure you'll be blessed, amen. I'm Pastor Michael Jakes. We'll see you next time. May God bless you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.